And welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. Your presenters are Imran Lasker and Thrusha Gudwatna. Hello and welcome to Medics on Mic. My name is Dr. Mel Parrick. I'm a care of the elderly registrar and I'm joined by... My name's Medic underscore Russell, uh, otherwise known as just Russell. Um, I am an SHO emergentologist with a specialist interest in celebrity-like behaviour and being desperate for likes, as it was told that recently. So Russell's introduction was much better than mine. And even though this is our fifth go at trying to do this, we are going to just carry on anyway, because this is the Two Medics One Mike takeover by Russell and Mel, or as we like to call ourselves, Muscle. That's ironic, obviously, based on our body habitus. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so where are we right now, Russell? And let's, um, tell us, t- let's tell everyone the origin story of where we are. Yeah, so um, you may have seen the, the med Twitter catch up about a month and a half ago. Mehl and I finally met in person. And it was magical. A, a torrid love affair later. Here we are. Um, no, so we sort of had a chat. Um, we thought... You know, Imran and Theresa have done this podcast for quite a while now. They've done an incredible job. It's been almost six months. And I don't know about you, but certainly when I pick up a project, I don't expect to still be doing it in six fucking months. Yeah, you give your order to someone else, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Like two weeks yeah. later. I'm like, I've, yeah. done, I've done the initial mm, stuff. That's enough to yeah. get through the next stage. And we were like, maybe they deserve a week off. And we couldn't, well, I say we couldn't think of, we couldn't find anyone better. So we're the two that happened to be up today off. When you say we didn't find anyone better, actually, I think we just volunteered. Yeah, yeah we did. We did. Um, I, I just said, to, uh, I just, said to Imra and Thrusha in their 2.4 children family, uh, you probably need a break, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought we could just take over for a bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we let's be honest, we forced a hand. Um, we were like, I think... The, the, but, but did they did they really say no? No, no, they, they ran to immediately. They're like, oh, thank God, please. If anything, I remember Thrusha saying, feel free to really gay it up. Which I did not appreciate. So, actually, Theresa, so, you're cancelled. So, actually, after this, we're going to do uh, Mel and Russell do hits from the shows. We're going to do a rendition of I Am What I Am. Uh, Mel's actually in drag at the moment. It's I like, am. And do you know what? I did want to do some. His name is Jerry Attrition. <laughs> I did want to do some uh, fun bits, like fun segments, like let's read Donut Man's book in like a dramatic reading. Mm. Uh, and then we could do some shout outs. And then maybe we could have a prize and a competition. Sounds great. But what's the prize? Are you providing it? Because I'm not paying for it. I don't know. What could the prize be? Dinner here? It's not very good. A follow from Phil Lee. Everyone fucking loves a follow from Phil Lee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can arrange a follow. Yeah, we we could arrange a follow from Phil Lee. That'd be a good competition. But then what would the actual competition be? I don't know. We've not planned yeah. this. Basically, what's happened is we're now sat in Mehl's garden. We've had a lovely bruschetta lunch. And then we opened one bottle of Prosecco. No, champagne. Oh, champagne. champagne. How dare you? This is the thing. This is what happens when you're like an ST7 versus an ST2. The, the budgets are different. So we've I brought up a Prosecco and Mehl went, that's great. We can that will immediately go in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So we've had a few bottles of various things. <laughs> and now we're sat in the garden chatting a load of rubbish about med Twitter. And that reminds me of Segway. Look. Are we doing it? We're doing no. it. We're doing an Imran Lasker segue where it's something that's completely unrelated to what we're talking something about. Something going in the bin about. reminds me of how the UCAT should go in the bin. 
because that's been a topic recently. That was that was good. That, yeah, no, that was, was. That, was, that was that was quite good actually. Yes, um, yeah. And the UK cat probably should go in the bin. So discuss. Fine. So one of the topics. Did you have to do it? Yes. Oh, did you? I didn't have to do it. So I'm that um, old. Everyone. <laughs> he's quite. He's quite ancient. Um. So fun story. I so I applied for med school out of my A levels and obviously didn't get in because my A levels were a shit show. And then I went oh. and did. Oh, Pause for effect. <laughs> and then I went to I went to bachelor's and I had a PhD lined up and basically I was going to go and do a PhD instead and I was like, oh, I still kind of think about med school. So okay, so I'll... the internet is thinking right now, what was a PhD in? It was going to be in the monocyte to macrophage differentiation and its role in atherosclerotic plaque formation. Oh! Yes, so now Russell is cancelled. So now this is one medic, one mic with Mehul Parrick, well, actually, geriatrician. It's, it's cardiology related, in Ugh. which case I am the Therusha of this show. Oh God, your PhD sounds so boring. Well, that's why well, PhDs are meant to be boring, aren't they? I didn't do it. <laughs> so the point of the story was um, that I didn't do it. And I was like, oh, I'll apply to med school as well because, you know, why not have a second go and then fate will determine that I mm. won't get in. Mm, yes, yes. Booked my UK cat, completely forgot I had booked it until the morning off when I got an email to be like, just to remind you, you cats today. I was like, shit, okay. Hadn't done any prep for mm. it. Turned up, did it. Presumably did enough to get an interview because I'm here now. Typical white man. I know, right? Yeah. I just, oh, I just I, like accidentally fell into it and like I'm, just, I'm that... like six foot one. Does everyone know that I'm six foot one? Six and, foot three. You know, six foot three, <laughs> and like then I just fell into medicine and like I'm, I'm here now. And I was offered a PhD. The point of the story. Oh, sorry, was... sorry, sorry. The point of the <laughs> the, point of, <laughs> the point of the story was that even without prep for it, it was such a kind of chaotic bullshit exam of various weird topics of like abstract reasoning mm. and SJTs and things that you can't really prepare for that well that I still managed to get through it. Well, the big one that went round was if you have a, a shape, how yep. does it become a different shape? And it's just like, well, I read enough gossip magazines to know that if you are a fat shape, you can become a thin shape very quickly. But The Atkins diet. Yes, yeah, exactly. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But... The actual verbal reasoning thing no, was, it work. was, oh, where two squares separated from each other, and how does that relate to you being a triangle? And does it really? I mean, did you, did you, you saw that question? Yeah, you? I saw it. It's quite hard. Yeah, it was quite hard. See, mm. also, what was the right answer? Does anyone know? It was A. Um, oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was <gasps> a, the one with the little like I rectangle with the thing on it. A. Oh, oh my chaos. god, I was. A, I thought it was a C. No, it was an A. I think it was an A. Lots of people said A. Who knows? I thought it was an A. It's just difficult because I feel like I do sort of use those skills in my day-to-day -day job. You know, it's kind of it's pattern recognition. Imran's just texted us just to let everyone know <laughs> how's it going. It's not going very well. Imran, you're uh, on holiday. Go away. Fuck off. Um, so, but like, oh, we're like, gonna have to think of a noise to to cover up the swearing. What do you think of it? The... It'll be this. <laughs> Done. That was easy. <laughs> no, no. Like, so the abstract reasoning, I feel like I do use in my day-to-day -day job, like kind of, especially in emergency medicine, where you see like a high volume of patients. We do kind of pattern recognition and kind of like, I can't necessarily mm. completely reason why this is this, but my gut feeling is it's this. Yes, but, the but, square is the triangle. Exactly. If two squares is a triangle, is similar to the triangle so, of two squares. So they're on your list now. Thank yeah. you. But I feel like, <laughs> is that really the skill we want to get from a person applying to med school? Not necessarily. Also, most of them are 18 years old. Well, like, exactly. Like, surely the, the best way of looking at who would be a good doctor is just knowing who they are as people and 
okay, interview is never going to be a, the long-term solution because there's not enough people to mm. interview. The thousands of people who want to do the honourable profession. But there's got to be a better way rather than shapes and squares to decide <laughs> yeah, yeah. who Definitely. would be a good doctor and how they would be a good doctor. And I think a lot of us want people to have a set of skills that help you think outside the box beyond a guide beyond a guideline and that's the thing because I, I guess what the other option is i don't know if you came across these when you were applying to med school but there's like the bmat and the gamsat and all these various kind of no, like i skipped all that back in sorry glass clink <laughs> i skipped all that glass clink i was really lucky i was the year where they just looked at your personal statement and if they thought that it was sad enough they'll interview you and that was that was genuine, yeah, actually. It does show. I know, I was very sad. I was a very sad, sad 18-year-old, and they, they clearly saw that. And then then Bart welcomed me, and that was it. And here I am. Oh, fair enough. And then, now, sort of, how many years later, they up their game and, you know... Oh, then you arrived. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. I'm glad that's what we were going through. Went to the same med school, guys. It's funny, because, like, did you know that Mehul went to the same school as Tharusha and Imran? I know, it's a bit meta, isn't it? And then like went it. to the same med school as me, so... We're all the same, here. but Basically, it's not the same. It's, it's very, a, very confusing. It's all a boys' cover, isn't but it? But I think the long short of it is shapes do not define you as a person. No. So with the, the GAMSAT and the BMAT, which I can't remember what they stand for. I think one's like Australian, one's British, I can't I remember. I the G in the GAMSAT sounds for gay. I don't think Yes, it's, it's you turn up, you the, uh, you vogue a little bit, you you go it's on like RuPaul's drag race. It's, yeah, yeah, you lip sync for your life and then you get yourself a place <laughs> at med school. That was sickening. Please be And the B mat might be the bisexual. Why can't do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so no no, the point of no, so both those are less kind of abject re abject reasoning. Abject. Shut <laughs> the fuck up. Um abject reasoning and like SJT and that sort of thing. Um and they're a lot more clinical. So you kind of have to answer like science questions based on like physics, <gasps> chemistry, and, and sort of maths and biology and things. Which actually does move on, move us on, on to a not an Imran Laska segue, but yeah, actually to enough. to the idea. I think someone uh, tweeted recently about the idea that uh, you've got to do chemistry A level. Do you remember why people thought it'd be a good idea to do chemistry A level? No, I did chemistry A level. It wasn't a good idea. But it was was one of your medical school questions about oh I'm going to be, do chemistry A level. One of my questions was, why do you think medical schools ask for chemistry A-level? No. I think it was something to do along the lines of problem solving. Okay. Which I don't remember, because surely you just went, you just pipetted stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, got some sterile water and put and it draw in lots of square brackets for concentration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't really remember why they wanted us goggles. to do it. But I remember chemistry being a very strong reason to get into medical school, number one. But also it was something to do along, along the lines of problem solving and the abstract thinking that we think of that yeah, apparently yeah. makes good doctors when you know apparently all we do is follow guidelines i do love a good guideline to be i fair. mean they're fantastic so, i know I dka is my favorite guideline it's so good oh it's, it's so juicy isn't never it falters. one just, hour just put potassium in fluids. Oh. ideal oh, oh. oh second hour oh should i put some potassium in oh i don't know i don't know i'm so i'm so stressed <laughs> <laughs> But uh, actually, that was not a good segue. What was the segue meant to be to? What? <laughs> so the segue that you were going to was about chemistry level. No, but there was meant to be a, a planned segue. Yes, the planned segue was actually going to be um, that the UCAT or any kind of test into medical school is kind of, you know, 
you think of the people that are applying and there's the kind of people that come from maybe more affluent backgrounds and more privileged backgrounds who have like me and russell <sighs> muscle that maybe don't necessarily get the opportunity to access kind of things like courses and practice tests and that sort of thing mm. um versus you've got kind of other people who may be more affluent and can access those courses and that sort of thing well actually to be fair do you have a actual good segue here mm, which is this idea that if we are not allowing not not it's not but not allowing but if we're not kind of expanding our field or our network of people to kind of help in terms of kind of you know people in a demographic where they can't afford you know interview practice and BMA and and GAMS and all that stuff it's something interesting that came out actually maybe yesterday about mm. like medical students going to university and maybe using sex work as a way of funding some of their lifestyle not funding their lifestyle that's not that's stupid kind of making it. ends meet but making yeah. ends meet and and kind of where we sit with that and actually is sex work a legitimate way of earning money to help medical students to get through their years and stuff and if you think about it like there are a lot of there's a huge amount of people in the world out there mm. who would be absolutely phenomenal doctors mm that medical school systems do not capture because they're already taken away from the idea that you've got to pay however much you've got to pay for a GAMSA mm -hmm. and a UK CAT and stuff. And and then if there are a bunch of people who, who can't really afford to spend five years of medical school and get into medical school and they're not supported financially mm -hmm. the way that a lot of people were, what do they do then? Do they go towards sex work? And is that a legitimate way of supporting medical school? Uh, supporting yourself through medical school? And my answer, my feeling is, and cancel me if you want, is that, yeah, let people do what they need to do to get to the other side and then be paid an awful salary to care for people that, you know, and, and be a high-skilled trained professional and be, I don't know, my feeling about about all that stuff is just let people do what they want because I don't think I have ever met a doctor, my you know, my F1s this year, I don't think I've met them and, and said, oh, well, what did you do for the last five years and how did mm. you fund yourself? All I want to know is they're dedicated and they're loyal and they want to be good at their job. And I don't think the last five years of your life actually determines that whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. And like almost it's kind of funny when you're like applying to med school there's this kind of like pressure to be like, oh, you have to apply to a good one. You know, you can't go just like the shit one down the road or whatever. But have actually, you asked your F1s where, I haven't asked my F1s what medical no, school exactly. they went to. No, exactly. And that's, really that's kind of where I was getting to is that like, no one really cares once you start working. Like yeah. maybe they care from the point of view of you be like, oh, do I know anyone from that area? We can like, yeah. we can chat about like mutual friends from the med school or yeah. lecturers or whatever. But like, no one's like, oh, they went to this one. Yeah, no, not They're at terrible. all. Like, no one really cares. And I think the same probably applies about like how people maidens meet during med school. Kind of, I think the um, who cares the discourse that came out kind of yesterday or day before was around this article. Are being, we calling like, Twitter discourse? Discourse. How I fancy! Know. Oh <laughs> my <laughs> gosh! Look, look at the vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's an educated individual. Yes, <laughs> she's looked up the synonyms on Google <laughs> on Word documents. Yeah, they have indeed. Um, no, but like the kind of the the chat. Because we're yeah. you know, keeping it keeping it lowbrow. Um, <laughs> the the chat on, on Twitter yesterday was a kind of around, or at least I saw was there was this article being like med students are asking the BMA for like permission to undertake sex work in med school, and and actually that wasn't kind of what was being asked. What was being said was med students are going to support themselves however way yeah. they need to 
and med schools don't have the right to like discipline or reprimand or do whatever to those, to those med students who undertake whatever financial assistance scheme, should we say, that cause other people to clutch their well, balls and be very upset. But, um, and let me be the, let me be devil's avocado. Oh. And, oh. and be like, hello, I'm the GMC, and you are bringing the the re- profession under disrepute. No, no. What do you say to that? I suppose the only issue that comes up is the legality. Okay. That technically sex work is illegal, and therefore... Well, the forms of sex work in terms of kind of soliciting maybe illegal. Yeah, but, that, yeah, yeah. But in terms of kind of performative sex work, is that illegal? No, I, I don't think it is. No, but like... Because it's not very good GMC. advertising or whatever isn't necessarily. Yeah. And so, you know, technically that, that gets brought up as like a probity issue or a character issue or whatever. But I think it's just like, oh, there's so much else out there that's like, yeah. you know, how many times this week, well, only yesterday, have people raised issues about colleagues making unwarranted sexual advances. Are we doing a segue? That was actually quite good. Oh, that was very good. I wasn't even planning that. That was not as good as Imran's segue, which is let's get something completely unrelated and talk about square sex work. You know what does sex work? Uh, No, I can't think of anything. Um, A glass of wine. Let's talk about (laughs) wine. The favourite wines of Twitter. That was a very, very good segue. I thought it was quite good. Anyway, let's get back Mm. into it. So... (laughs) The, you know, the recent discourse has been around, I mean, there was that tweet recently about, um, I think it was an F1 or an F2, who was told by one of her male consultants, I can bring the tweet up here. I kind uh, of feel like she was, she was a bit more senior, actually, wasn't she? She might be, I, I let me double check. Well, but, should we do no, a shout out, Dr. Nat? She's an FY2, so oh, yeah, it's okay, an FY2. It's so actually a very, in a very vulnerable stage of her career where um, actually you're going to, you're going to, you know, you don't know where you are and what you're doing. And actually, F2 is, in my opinion, one of the forgotten years where... You're, you're expected to be more senior, but actually you're yeah. quite junior. Are you a CT1? Yeah, yeah. Are you a CT2? Can you intubate someone or are you an F2? And actually, I, I do feel feel like F2 is a, a tough year mm. in terms of finding out who you are and what you want to do and stuff, because you've done your F1, you kind of know what you don't want to do. And then you're kind of pulled into specialties where, you know, oh, you, you do psych or, mm-hmm. you know, you do you know those specialties you do in F2. You are very vulnerable in F2, in my opinion. But sorry, go on. Yeah, so, so Nat said, and I'm just going to read the tweet out. We've got told by a male consultant um, that men don't respect me because I'm so attractive. What the actual glass noise. There we go. Oh, yeah. With a few upside down smiley emojis. He also spent the ward around asking me whether I worked out, whether I had a boyfriend, told me he's divorcing his wife and I should stay in touch with him so he can then show me the, the quote unquote niceties of Ew. life. Also been sending me pictures of his car and watches, dot, 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 thoughts. Um, and then a few kind of comments after that about us, you know, sort of saying thanks for the advice and here's where I'm at now and that sort of thing. How do you, what do you, what, you know, how do you respond to someone saying to you, you're too attractive to be doing this? How, did, how do you respond to that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just laughable, isn't it, really? Like, it's just such a gross flex. Like, it's... It's, it's weird, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's absolutely bizarre that someone would look at you and think, bit too sexy for my job, maybe... I will t- tell you how I great I am, and yeah. therefore you can be attracted to me because apparently that's. I assume they must have thought it was a compliment. Yeah, but like you know, the undertone is I'm complimenting you, but also I want to engage in something beyond our job together. Is kind of what I'm reading into this, especially yeah. around the niceties of life and that sort of thing. So it's just 
Is it flirty? It, like, well, so, you know, and, and this kind of leads in a bit. There was the, the med Twitter space yesterday that <gasps> got onto Segway. kind of sexual assault and the kind of onslaught of sexual violence yeah. that women face at work, which yeah. I realised that we are two men on this podcast and therefore... Yeah, it's no, not absolutely. a huge amount that we can comment on, and I think probably the nuances of this are better. I mean, I, I don't get it, and in the sense of not that I don't get it because I don't support people who I don't get it because I've not been through that. Yeah, exactly. and therefore I feel like I'm not well educated or experienced enough to comment on it. Yeah, so in I think anyway, you know, the nuances are, are absolutely led to the kind of people who have been through it a bit more and who are leading on it. And there was people like Lynn and Laura and um, Neely yeah. who who led the space yesterday. But it was a bit depressing hearing how terrible experiences for people can be in an institution that is about kind of equality and and treating people for whatever they are. And yeah, and... unfortunately, it seems to be so ubiquitous. Yeah. You know, like, like the experience I got, and there were like 70 to 100 people or so in that space, and I presume a huge amount of them were really seeing something of themselves in those stories that were being told. And I saw a lot of people tweeting and afterwards and almost exclusively women in medicine tweeting afterwards being like, ah, oh, that was actually quite a hard thing to hear because yeah. that's that's something I identify with. But um, I imagine a lot of people in retrospect looking at their experiences and thinking, mm. actually, people spoke to me in a certain way because I was a woman or people yeah, yeah. spoke to me in... Or my bosses were like, oh... Actually, a good example is one of my F1s was at work was told, oh, you need to be more confident she was one of the best f1s because let's face it you know female f1s are better than male f1s <gasps> controversial but she was told you need to be more confident she didn't need to be more confident she was the one of the strongest f1s i knew and she didn't need to be more confident what she 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 was quietly confident and she knew what her job was which is to get on with what yeah. the surgeons were telling her and I, you know, when people say to her, "Oh, you need to be more confident," I, that's bullshit advice. That is the advice that you give people when you don't have anything else to tell them. Like she didn't need to be confident, more confident at all. She was an exemplary F one, and she was really good at her job. She was just quietly confident in the sense of, you know, she just gone with her job. She knew what her role and her job was within the firm, which is if she was asked to do something, she cracked on and did it. She didn't put up any fronts or arguments. She was just like, this is what I need to crack on with because this is my boss and that's what we do. So it was a, it was a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think kind of tying the two together along with kind of Nat's tweet about the comments she got about being too attractive for the job, along with the kind of things that were in the space yesterday. I think, you know, this is like an endemic problem in, in medicine and it's kind of under the surface a little bit to the point of view that, you know, lots of male colleagues or male doctors or who, whatever healthcare profession they're in were saying, oh, I, mm. I, I never knew. And I think, you know, it's one of the benefits of, of med Twitter is that those voices are out there and certainly if you don't see it at work yeah. you, you certainly fucking hear about it on, yeah. on the internet as you should as, and, yeah. and then you no, should have your eyes open to um, what's going on at work and kind of keeping an eye on your because how, colleagues because how hard is it how hard would it feel to be a female F1 as an example and say that you feel uncomfortable in your job because you're a woman in comparison to everyone else and and to raise it as a problem you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of 
trainees have been disempowered by the fact that we move on every four months mm. and that we're not in a job for a year. Mm. And you kind of just sit there and just crack on for four months because you know that hopefully the next four months job that you do will be better. Especially in that like, foundation year, it's, it's easy for seniors as well to be like, oh, well, if it's in the first couple of months, you're still kind of getting used to the place, like yeah. these teething problems. You didn't understand what they meant and that's what they're like and, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then kind of in that third month, you know, you as the trainee are kind of like, Ugh, I'm in the middle of my set of nights or I'm yeah. in the middle of a set of my like long weekend or I've got an exam or I've got yeah. whatever going on. I can't be asked to bring it up now. And then when you're in the fourth month, it's like, oh, well, I'm finishing now. What's the point? And that's why these things perpetuate endlessly. And do you feel in the long term, as kind of junior doctors, we are very much like our power base is very much kind of, we're, we're disempowered by the fact that we do move on every four months. Yeah, 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 100%. Because it's just like, well, that's just how it is four months. You just, you, you just crack on through it. And then hopefully the next four months will be fine. And how we got to a point where that's okay. It's not okay. Yeah. It's not okay to be treated like absolute garbage for four months and just think, oh, well, don't worry, it'll be fine. I'm going to leave in a couple of months. I'm just going to be okay with it. You, can do, and, you can do a survey at some point to say, oh, I don't have a great time. I mean, and yeah. the, the GMC survey is a very good uh, good example of how, like, you know, do you think your GMC reflected your GMC survey and it's all out now do you think your GMC survey reflected your experience at that time as a doctor yeah you put a, a few negatives and you do this and there's a few white space stuff mm. but if you were to sit down and say actually I went there in a maybe very strong male presence as a female F1 or mm. F2 as the most rotatory kind of grades of doctors and I felt really kind of unwelcome as a as a woman, who has explored that? Yeah. I, I, I don't think we have at all. And I, I think, well, that's the best thing about Twitter, isn't it? Like you can like get this, get this stuff off your chest and you can, you can find people who share those experiences. We can make it a bit more of a, a movement, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And like it's, I and mean, I suppose in some ways it, you're not limited to just like the local politics of things because again it's it's easy in your yeah. job to be like you raise this issue and someone hit the job before you raise this issue but then yeah uh well you know you don't want to question xyz consultant because they are xyz consultant because they're the consultant that's how it's always been where it's like on twitter you can discuss this thing and find that people across the country in different countries are going through the same thing or experiencing the same issues and it kind of puts a spotlight on how endemic the problem is really and that was it you know uh, do you remember I don't think it was a tweet about it, but there was this this idea that um, you know the, the way the reason why things are the way they are is because they that's what they've always been like. Mm. Uh, how how we we as younger people, I hope you'll accept me into your younger people community. I mean, he's really, he's really <laughs> there's a lot of heavy lifting going on there, Mel. <laughs> Jesus. But do you know what? Like how we can just make it so much better yeah. for, for the people beyond us, and that's what. I, oh God, I can't believe I'm about to talk about myself here. Can you believe it? But I, I remember thinking or tweeting, I don't remember if I did or didn't, but this idea that we need to bring well-being back to us and we need to make sure that, you know, as the people who are going to become the senior trainees and are going to fight through all the bullshit that we are fighting through at the moment, that we can make our lives better for each other. Mm. And I really, I hope that we live in a world where in 10 years time, 
you know, some of this stuff will be just a joke. Like, oh, can you believe like 20 years time they used to do this and used to do that? I think, I think some of that stuff has happened. Mm -hmm. Like with the new contract, I think the new contract, as much as we all hate it or love it or whatever, there's been a lot more safeguarding in the way that we mm. work. And, you know, we've got more zero days and, and all those things. And I, I kind of just hope that we'll take this, it might, we might not be able to make an impact at this cross section in time, but I hope in like 10, 20 years when the juniors or the seniors will be able to make it better is that yeah and i guess that's kind of one of the kind of issues at the moment isn't it is there's this i hate to use the word glass ceiling being two men on this podcast <laughs> but like there is this glass ceiling of like us as juniors have these ideas and these sort of visions of what the workforce should look like and what the roads should look like yeah. and what the job should look like but we're yeah, not no. divisional directors we're not medical directors we're not yeah. HR bosses or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that time will come in years to come, you know, in, in sort of and, and we'll reflect on this and and people listen to this podcast, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure, and, and highlight it as as the turning point. But yeah, like I I see what you mean. You know, when I when I came out to my mum and dad, mm. you know, and is this us getting it up as three shots? This is the this oh, God, is the gay go. segue. Everyone. I'm just going to start voguing. Just so you know, <laughs> this is me voguing. Um, we'll do a bit of RuPaul singing in the background. When I came out to my mum and dad, mm. in my head, you know, if and when I have kids or when my brother has kids or, you know, the, my family have children, you know, it won't be coming out anymore. It'll just be, oh, I'm gay. And that's fine. As, and, one, as one of the things one can yeah. be in life. And the the way that the way that we think now, and the way that we are now with all the things that are a bit more confusing with life, and whether we accept it or not, maybe they'll they will become more and more accepting as the years go on. And I certainly know that I've I've lived a life where you know I know that next generation in an Asian family where you know we had they have gay kids, they will you know my family will be more accepting of it because mm. it won't be about being accepting of it. It will yeah, be yeah. oh. We're surrounded by people who are gay yeah, because yeah. they are not. That's a normal part of life, of life society, yeah, yeah. and I hope that's the same thing that will happen in medicine. Yeah. My God, this got very, Ugh. very deep, very quickly. Didn't it? We segue out of this. Urgent segue. Urgent um, segue to something that is completely oh, unrelated, please. I can't believe paramedics take photos of people having babies. It's terrible. Weirdly enough, I thought it was quite cute. Oh really? It was a quite cute picture, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a cute picture. So, but there's so there's this one. <laughs> We just said about that. I'm so proud I, of that's us. good. Yeah, we did it. There's this one particular paramedic or like uh, ambulance service. Oh, is that? I didn't know there was a thing. Ooh, ignorant metal time. Ignorant um, metal. Ignorant metal time. This ignorant is the segment we didn't metal. advertise. <laughs> so there's this there's this particular ambulance service. Come on, glass clink. Oh no, um, that's really focused on their social media presence, <laughs> and they. Uh, have a long history of many years of maybe sharing some patient stories, maybe live tweeting what they're up to. Those bastards. Well, um, yeah. So, like, we don't tweet our patient experiences. But I don't think we do to the same extent. You know, like it's. I did a cute one the other day where I was trying to get someone's heart rate down, and it, it turns out she was watching horror movies for two weeks. Yeah, but I think that's a little bit different because you're not, it's not in the moment. So, so kind of what I'm talking about with this unnamed ambulance service um, is things like one of the ambulance crew might tweet being like, oh, currently en route to 
a car crash on the M something or other. And you're like, well, what? who's that benefited? M25. It's not the M25. Well, no, because they're... Uh, oh, sorry, yes. they're, sorry, they're unnamed. It's, it might, might be the M25. Do I have to take a flight to go there? No, Is well... It far away? It's outside of London. It's near Nantwich, I've heard. Oh, and, and, and you've, you're going to get a stamp on your passport, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, out, yes, it's yes. outside the 25, uh, so oh, yeah, okay. terribly far. Don't understand. Sorry, we're too London-centric again. Ben Besker is out of the M25. He is. Hello, Ben. So is Therusha, I think. Yeah, he's in Norfolk. Yeah. He's Maybe in Norfolk. Imran yeah. might be as well. Imran, no, we talked about... In, the, in what I did, when I did the celebrity podcast thing, if that's what we call it, Imran was talking about how, you know, he wanted to be in London and he wanted to come back into London. So I feel like he is in London. Oh, maybe. How do we not know where he is? He has his passport stamped every time, does he? Yeah, I know. He's texted us constantly during this. So, oh, uh, I know. I've had to like God, him. go away, Imran. Um, anyway, where were we? Uh, paramedics and uh, ambulance service tweeting. And so this ambulance service will kind of would tweet stuff about like, oh, just dropped off. Um, you know, a 90-year-old who had a collapse at home, whatever. And it's been an issue for a couple of years or so, and people repeatedly call that out as kind of, I'm not sure this is okay, because ultimately, who's that benefiting? You know, there's... Um, Leave Betty alone. Well, exactly. Like, yeah. you're, you're not really educating, and if you want to educate, you can make it anonymized a few days later. If you're tweeting yeah. on the day with an age and a location, hmm. like, a week later, be like, oh, I recently saw an older person who had a collapse and they had this on the ECG. Non-contemporaneous. Exactly. That's the, that's the... And then the other thing kind of in this one is there was a photo that was tweeted about a, a new mum with her, her baby and the baby was delivered at home. Congratulations if yeah, you are... Congratulations to... Uh, beautiful baby. But at the bottom, it had brackets, consent obtained. And I suppose the, the question here is really, is is that consent? Like, if you've just given birth to a baby on your kitchen floor, and then the paramedic who has helped you through it is like, ah, oh, can I get a selfie? How empowered do you feel to say no? Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it, actually? Like, because part of when you were explaining that, I was a bit like, oh, that sounds like really sweet and, you know, like, it's, it's good to see what the NHS, like, put out some positive vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, don't get me wrong, I, you know, obviously I've never had a baby and it would be a somewhat freak of nature if I did birth a child for many reasons, really. Well, <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, modern medical science, you know. It's true. You never know. But, you know, I, I imagine you're very happy, mostly. And certainly the person in this photo that was smiling and looked very happy to have a child. But let's let's imagine maybe you didn't want that child, or maybe you were in a difficult situation. Isn't it? Like you didn't want the child. No, no. But like you, you know, you've 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 had a baby (laughs) at home. The paramedics, please take the baby away. The ambulance turned up to help you birth the child. You don't necessarily are happy with the situation in your life, and then someone says, "Oh, can I take a selfie?" And you're like, "Ugh, okay, I guess." smile like it's very she's obviously very very vulnerable at the time yeah exactly and i suppose and that's the kind of consent thing it's like a yes okay this photo is nice it's a cute photo of a new mum and her child and we could all celebrate that and actually with the way the world is a steaming fire of shit at the moment it's quite nice to see a new baby and a nice photo babies are cute is it necessarily an, an, an obtained consent in kind of a more objective way based on the situation? And then you can kind of extrapolate yeah, that back point. again to, yeah. you know, kind of the photos you get of someone's ECG or someone's CT scan or someone's stories. There's all consent obtained. Or is it hilarious abdo x-ray? Always. Someone's with cucumber. Well, exactly. And kind of, you know, 
there was there was that one recently about the dumbbell that was seen on the public oh, x-ray oh. and a lot of people shared it and people found it quite funny that someone had used a dumbbell for some sort of sexual relief and then i think it was zander who kind of quoted it and was like actually is this as funny quote unquote as people are saying is because actually the joke here is some people put things up their bum for sex yeah which is a le- the legitimate part of society yeah. in many ways and okay yes someone's gone a bit extreme by putting a dumbbell up there but what we're actually showing is our prejudices yeah. because we're finding yeah, this hilarious and, and we, we we can't be all like oh patient confidentiality and 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 yeah you know supporting patients all that and kind so of like, stuff and and also be putting pictures of hilarious things that people have done to each other and stuff yeah and so like um there's aiden Barron, who's a paramedic and now a med student in australia who i know really well um mm. and he worked with uh ruth i can't remember her name. i'm so sorry um, but they developed these kind of this like point system where ruthie ruthie that's her name that, right. yeah, ruthie mcruthie she's like yeah. Cher or madonna yeah, just yeah. one, one yeah. word ruth beyonce uh, exactly but she they developed <laughs> this kind of this point system together about like what's appropriate to tweet about patients and what isn't and kind of the, you know marks were or you docked points for or gained points for kind of contemporaneous or ages or specificity yeah and then you kind of won points or lost points whatever it was for um kind of educational value and that sort of thing but you, do you not think that med twitter would be decimated if we couldn't share some of the and the reality is is that some of patient care is very frustrating but, uh, I, but I don't think you know, looking at like my Twitter feed, I don't think there's a huge amount of identifiable patient information that comes up. Well, you're perfect, aren't you, Russell? No, no, I mean, it's perfect, like, no, Russell. I, I mean, with I, his beautiful face. I mean, you're quite his, right. And I, I've been stroking his head the entire time. His hair is very nice. And he's wearing his moo shirt. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Russell does does what he wants. But no, I mean, like, I don't mean my feed. I mean, like, you know, when I log onto Twitter, the feed of people that I follow. Yeah. And like, I don't think there's a huge amount of patient identifiable information that I see on there. Like, no, I don't think there is, and I, I think there are a lot of people who who share information, who who share stories mm. about things that they think people would relate to. Yeah, exactly. But like a huge amount of that for us as healthcare professionals is like our interactions together, and it has nothing to do with the patients. It yeah, would be, yeah. You know, a pigeon arrived on the ward and someone bleeped the med reg. The classic joke. Oh my joke. gosh! Claxon, um, segue. But there's no, well, there's not a segue, there's no segue. Well, there, there, is, there is a bit of a segue in the sense um, of talking about Phil's, you know, you know that tweet about him talking about, um, tell me the most ridiculous Datex you've ever had. Oh, fair, yeah. That's old, though. Oh, God, is that last he, week? He, he, no, no, he, that was like months ago. He, re, he like brought that back up again this time around. God, Phil, you need to get some new material. Yeah, no, but he, exactly. But his recent one, I'm sure of it, was, was kind of a... Like he, he like recent. copied it, I think, to be like, oh, here's a new thing attached to it, but it's it's not a new thread. No, because he, he I swear, he tweeted saying, you know, oh, tell me about the most ridiculous JTX you had as a, as a kind of a like a current thing, and then there was like 400 like messages underneath about ridiculous things people have been JTX about. Was well, it, no, is one other thing? No, I think this is his old thread, and he revamped it. He like uh, Phil, manager. can you please get some new material? I'm please, honestly. Where all so of you, you're boring. I mean, Phil. to be fair, he did have certificates with you that gained quite a lot of material recently. Oh, that was. Yeah, I've actually know. not seen this. I, I'm sat in Mel's garden right at the moment, and I've not seen this certificate in the flesh. Look, I'm sorry, Russell. I'm an award winning registrar. You are. Okay. I can't heard. make you fucking lunch. <gasps> sorry. 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 Make you <laughs> lunch. <laughs> can't make you lunch and. 
That's a really good lunch. Pull, pull out all my certificates at the same time. But, I, fine, he redid it. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is that he... There's a whole bunch of things that were patient-related. Daytexes. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you make a good point there, actually. Um, and I guess because they're not high, they're not necessarily highlighting the patient themselves, they're highlighting the some hilarity that's occurred that we kind of forget they are yeah. identified information. It's not about the hilarity, like, like, you know, I feel very strongly, I feel like you, we do a lot of mandatory training mm. and I think one of the things that we should have mandatory training about is how to fill out our datex. Mm. I don't, we don't do that. Mm. And, you know, datexes are filled out left, right and centre. And we talk about those datexes in, in that in in the way that we talk about them in the sense of um, like a fun patient story mm. or, you know, a hilarious thing that happened to us at work that's related to a patient, be it a cucumber up someone's arse or a dumbbell up someone's arse mm. and someone not liking it. And, you know, the, the datexes are always 99% of the time are about how we have dealt with a patient situation. And whether that is, is that appropriate in talking about those things? And I, I don't know, I, I think part of the magic of Med Twitter has got to be the fact that we can put these scenarios, you know, out there. Mm. And maybe in, maybe we can kind of relate and, and, and not even enjoy, but relate to it to the point of, like, you don't feel like you're just as lone kind of in this DJ by yourself. And yeah. And like it's funny because so like it's a this sort of a WhatsApp group I've got with a few people from from Twitter we were chatting today. Oh my gosh! Ugh, he is in this WhatsApp oh my group. God. I'm, Please, I'm, Russell. I'm gonna keep it very anonymous. Patient identifiable. Oh yes. Sorry, yes. but like we were chatting about how you know like the last sort of couple of years with COVID and lockdowns and that sort of thing, and actually like Twitter's just been this opportunity to see other people going through the same thing you're going through and share Did some they, stories. I mean, the reality is that I used Twitter as a way of connecting with people that I never would connect with. Mm. And I feel very privileged and lucky to have that situation mm. because I don't think a lot of jobs that can share lots of situations together. Mm. I, and I, and I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a big fan of medical Twitter, even though my boyfriend thinks... Well, Liam thinks it's weird. Yeah, no, I, I, I've met Liam today. He was, <laughs> was just like, okay, so have you done your weird podcast thing yet? And we're like, yeah, no, not yet. We've done a bit now. And he's like, I'm going to go and sit somewhere else and just let me know when you're done. But um, like, I don't know, sharing... Anyway, the whole point of it is, it is, is sharing those really, hmm. really like, either terrible or amazing experiences and how much we all either pile on or pile in. Hmm to the idea that those are actually really amazing or terrible things. And it, I, there's some support out there. And, you know, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a small player in, in the, in Twitter. That's the reality. I'm not, I'm not like Russell, you know, I'm not a celebrity seeking behavior who's desperate for likes. I'm, I'm not a celebrity. And, but I found so much solace in, in the in the internet, I, a couple of years ago, I remember a couple of years ago, maybe last year, I, I tweeted about how a neurologist was awful to me at, at tertiary center when I was at a DGH, and the amount of support I got from Twitter to say that actually you were, and, you know, the reality is, no one knew what my referral was like. I could have called the neurologist and said, "Oh hey, someone's face is small. Can you take them to the big center?" and like. 
MRI their face. But I had a terrible, it was a terrible mm. situation and it gave me a lo lot of anxiety. And there were so many people there on the internet who supported me. Yeah. God, this got very emotional, didn't I it? I know. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh, oh, sorry. Segue out and something. Segue to something lol. What, what's no. our next segue? But no, I, I think you're right. Like, it's kind of, it's the shared community. And that's why why we enjoy the thing we enjoy. And whether that shared community is what, sharing stories. The shared community is the reason why you're here right now in my garden, isn't it? Well, that and Grindr. Well, I mean, I didn't think I met Russell on Grindr. Did I beat your Grindr? Maybe. No, <laughs> no, but like... Exactly, like you kind of, you know, we find like or likewise people on Twitter and then we can share stories and then there's some... I'm stroking Russell's hair at the same time. He actually is, it's yeah. very distracting. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to distract him to like be... It's fine, he's doing his best. <laughs> it's not like this is a perfectly quaffed and, and like curated situation on my head. <laughs> but like MedTwitter as a community, like, you know, we we identify with each other and whether we identify with each other through each other's like serious topics or whether we do that through memes it. and jokes. Yeah, I love it. Like it's... I sent Ben Besker a fucking four pound, you know, what? thing to, to get him a drink because we've been talking about paces. I'm sure he's not. <laughs> no, um, he's got this like ludicrous expensive <laughs> bike and yeah. he buys like stupid wheels for it. But we've been talking about him having paces and becoming uh, a registrar and, you know, I sent him a few quid. It literally was four pounds on PayPal. Just to buy him a pint to say congratulations for passing paces, which is what I would have done if I was working with him. He lives at in that Newcastle, point. that's at least three pints. Yeah, well, yeah. And it's because Med Twitter is actually a really, really amazing thing. Yeah. And I think that's what this podcast has been born from. Yeah. This yeah. idea of supporting and and actually like, you know, the last few podcast guests have been, you know, people who need to get the, who are getting their voice out and and yeah. actually saying that, you know, these are the experiences I've had and this is my perspective on med Twitter stuff. And I think Imran Thru should have done actually a very yeah. solid job in getting a lot of people involved in a conversation. Yeah, no, 100%. Especially people who may not have, like, the 21,000 followers that you have. Well... Is it 21,000 now? It is, almost. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, no, you're people right. People who've been part of a conversation that they want to... And, and I think that's a very admirable... Mm. Thank you. So, what are you going to do with your twenty-one thousand followers? When are you going to start? When are you going to start your OnlyFans? I mean, maybe he will pay me to not start an OnlyFans. Okay, yeah, fair, fair. Yes, yeah. reasonable, isn't it? <laughs> Please don't post those photos. <laughs> we will give you. A I'll pay you money to <laughs> give you a not see you naked. To please. not see that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> God. <laughs> Christ. We were chatting about how Med Twitter is a nice community and how it's you, great. And I and love it. People. And then I remembered that... Apart from the pile, the pylon. Well, it depends if you're not involved in the... You know, if you get to pile on not someone else, it's great. Having piled on myself, it's not a fantastic. Have you been piled on? I have. Both online and... No. Have you really? No. Oh, <laughs> man. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, oh, that was a bit plasticky. Should, <laughs> should we do the wine glasses? Just, <laughs> should we? Just to... Oh, that was... <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> oh, oh, no, I need to hold it. There, there we go. Bloody <laughs> hell, amateur hour in fucking metals. No, so the, the segue I was going to make, because I remember back in, uh, probably a few weeks or months ago, mm. you tweeted a thing about leading a cardiac arrest that you of someone that you have treated. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. And how that's... In fact, I think, I think I might have discussed it on my... When I was on the podcast, it was ages ago. I listened to her. He didn't. 
<laughs> he actively dislikes me. But then there was Milky T, who recently tweeted, I'm just going to see... By the way, tw- great Twitter handle, Milky T. He's fantastic. She's doing Doctor Fueled by Flat Whites, aren't we all? Who tweeted... Which is against the Milky T, you know, tagline. it's not tea, it's coffee. Yeah. Chaos. You know, you need to, like, sort yourself out. Anyway. Is it going to be Milky Tea or is it going to be Flat White? Anyway, seniors, please have a debrief your team after a cardiac arrest, whatever the outcome. Just had someone close to me text me to say they're really shaken up after a one-hour attempt at resisting a patient um, and no one spoke to them afterwards. It's really not good. Cardiac arrests are physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausting, especially if the outcome isn't the one everyone was hoping for. Your team, particularly the most junior members of it, need a break and a chat afterwards. It can't just go back to business as usual. What are your thoughts on that? You're right. And we don't do it well enough. Yeah. And we need to have, you know, the the Research Council states that we should be having kind of allocated cardiac arrest roles so you know everyone. Mm -hmm. And you would feel, you know, and I am very keen, you know, I'm Kelly Ellie Reg. All I want to do is look after all people who've had a fall. But when I'm the acute Reg on call, I am very keen on making sure that everyone's got their roles allocated Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And part and parcel of that is making sure that if there's a terrible arrest or any arrest of any sort, that I am there to, for my team. And mm-hmm. I've not been as good as I should be, based mostly based on that tweet, because, you know, Twitter is there to make you reflect on your practices. And that's why we love my Twitter so much. You know, I've been a cardiac arrest leader for like eight, nine years now. And how good am I at taking my team to the side and making sure they're okay after the arrest. I think part and parcel of that is knowing who your team are. And I think I've been very good at, when I allocate the roles, I know who my team are. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I kind of feel like if I know they need to debrief, I will do it. And, or I'll do it individually. But that's a very personal thing. But I agree with the sentiment of the tweet, which is if, if someone's had a, an arrest like you know we should be taking our more junior colleagues to the side and saying you know how did that feel you know it was weird you know people die and we do these terrible things to them and how that feels and but then you've got to i don't know you've got to like marry that up with the fact that you're getting your you're, as a reg you're getting a bleep like mm. fifteen thousand times and being told that you need to go see a patient here and there and that stuff and we're not as good as it as we should be and i think the 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 research team should be kind of involved in those sorts of things as well but i don't know i wish i could just say to you right now of course i'll take all of my team to the side and we'll have a 10 minute minute debrief about how it went wrong but the world that we live in at the moment doesn't conduce to that sort of kind of debrief and i I wish i it it did it's tough isn't it yeah because the workload is huge yeah. Like, so I've just done a year of, as part of my ED training, um, I've done emergency medicine for seven months because of COVID and then five months of acute medicine. And like, it was kind of very different from that point of view because like, yeah. you know, in EM, it's rare that we know the patient that's come in. We've certainly not looked after them before, mostly, unless they're kind of someone that, for whatever reason, yeah, before, is, yeah. is a high intensity user. And so, you know, often the arrest you get is, usually an ongoing arrest that the paramedics have already yeah. done a lot of work with pre-hospitally and kind of especially those that don't necessarily go as have the outcome we want from all arrests it's 
the kind of cognitive side of things is gone because, or is reduced to a degree because someone's, you know, the pre-hospital team come in and it's been 45 minutes of downtime yeah. and there's all this information and actually the clinical decision-making is a little bit easier and there's less yeah, stress and onus because you don't know the patient. The cycle's there. You've just got You've done it. hardcore data of yeah. they've been asystolic for however long or whatever and you say, yeah. as the next person who hasn't got the... Uh, bandwidth overload of what's been going on pre-hospitally my decision yeah. is that this is what should happen we should stop versus having gone on acute medicine where you know you get some kind of arrests where there's patients you've looked after for days or if not at least overnight you've seen a few times and then whatever's happened has happened and they've gone into arrest and you've got to turn up to that arrest and perform and it's challenging and then kind of it depends on the team to a degree like maybe out of hours is a bit better because as a team you you're the same team that's worked the last four nights together and you kind of you can chat to your reg at some point but if it's like if you're an f1 on a ward during the day and like the team turns up works on your patient for a while and then disappears you're kind of just left to fend for yourself and i kind of i remember that like having you know been an f1 and like i had my first job was respiratory and like over winter yeah probably the start of winter and so naturally there were some challenging situations and, and people got sick and unfortunately had arrests and that sort of thing and, and, and passed away and you kind of the team arrives and there's a med reg who you've maybe met a couple of times who takes charge and they lead the arrest and they say oh there's nothing we can do here let's stop or whatever mm. which is probably the right clinical decision to make at the time and then everyone leaves and you're kind of left there as an f1 being like oh uh, I did the ward run yesterday. And cool, um, they were before. alive then and now they're dead now. Yeah, and like, everyone's gone. And yeah. we decided, and like, okay, I put a certify and like the med reg spoke with the family or whatever, but mm, like I have questions and I have things, and it's it's difficult because then having also kind of been on the take recently, like, you know, every med reg is slammed. Like, <laughs> every take is busy. And there's bleach it's, it's from not, ED, there's bleach from the wards, there's bleach from other the specialties. The compassion has been driven out of yeah. being a med reg. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And to sit around with your team and say, I know this is a terrible thing that happened to us all, and we need to speak about it, we need to sit down and talk about it properly. Like, it doesn't exist. And I feel like the goalposts have moved a little bit in that it's got to be an exceptionally yeah. shit circumstance yeah. for the discussion to happen. It's got to be like a maternal arrest. Or yeah, yeah, that's you know, a very a, good point. Actually, a twenty-year-old who was fit and well, and all of a sudden was in arrest. Like it, it can't just be. I say just. It can't be like the normal situation of someone with comorbidities slowed to erase and then went into kind of arrest because yeah, because people right, are yeah. just like, ah, that's part of the job. And actually, we're kind of use, losing the humanity a little bit there, aren't we? You know, when I during COVID last year, being kept the elderly reg, I'm so used to people dying. And, and, yeah. being, and dying being a normal clinical treatment. Do you know, do you know what I mean by that? Which, yeah, and, and, and I guess in some ways, I think there's always something wrong with that because yeah. every human dies and that's kind of, and that's in many, in some ways, you know, is we see the opposite of that where yeah. we feel like people have been pushed further than they should have been with their treatment when actually we should have accepted their dying a while ago. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, like COVID in, has made that happen. During COVID, being a care of the early edge was, it was good for me. Because in, in, in the sense of um, I, a lot of people died, mm. like a lot of people mm. died. And, y- you know, I'm used to withdrawing treatment. I'm used mm. to knowing when treatment is futile, which is a word that we obviously we don't like using anymore, mm. but there is a futility with a lot of treatment. And I'm very comfortable with death mm-hmm. at work. 
-hmm. maybe not in my personal life you know i've never had a loved one that i care about die before um like someone i actually care about yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah my grandma died i didn't really care about that <laughs> Fair. but i spoke to some of the f1s and they'd seen 10 15 people die every couple of weeks and they mm. were like this is not why this is not the job the job mm. is to make them better and make them mm. leave the hospital I, I forgot how privileged I was to see like a lot of death yeah, and yeah. that sounds weird like it's mm. not privileged to see death like there is a privilege to making sure that people's last dying moments are a positive thing like it's one of the two certainties in life That's you're born and you die yeah, yeah like exactly care of the elderly is about seeing how people die and, and, and how they do it and and Covid gave me I was very lucky to be a care of the elderly age, I think during Covid because I got very, I was very used to death already, and then I'll, a shitload of people died. And hold on, how are we, how are we talking about this? <laughs> We're talking about the cardiac arrests and like how people. Oh yeah, sorry. And you know, I I spent so much time like wanting a cardiac arrest situation to be better for the people around me, mm. and kind of marry up that with the workload that I had, and I and I, and I just couldn't. Like I can't. I wish I could like be this perfect person mm. who was like oh yeah of course i'm gonna sit my team down and say yeah we're gonna talk about all this stuff and actually i don't know if i i, did, I don't think i did a good job in, in terms of the debrief mm. ever during covid ever because we just someone died and we just went on and we cracked on and the next person died and it was pretty terrible and i and the, the spirit of the tweet is about kind of making sure your seniors mm -hmm take your team aside and make sure that your team's okay and they are looked after when someone has died in front of them and you forget that you are so emotionally blunted mm. to it especially with a, the new lot that we've had that in the last couple of years being care of the other and then add covid on top of that how you are so emotionally blunted to people just dying yeah, and yeah. how okay it is yeah. and actually that's not how people thought they would, their career would be. And I, I wish I could promise and say, of course, that's how I'm going to have, I'm going to have a debrief with people all the time. But the reality is, is that's not the way the world works. Yeah, it's challenging, isn't it? Like, I think, you know, all of us have, I don't, I don't know the, the grade or the experience of the people involved in this tweet, like either Milky T who tweeted it or the person flat she white. knows really flat well. White flat white. Tea. Flat <laughs> white. Or, or the person that she knows really well. Like, I presume they're relatively junior. I don't know. Like, maybe but foundation. It is looks as bit... terrible for them as it is for well, not the, them the, enough, no, but you know. But, what like, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, some of us who had a couple of years, if not more, of, of experience and then COVID hit, like, we had. Yeah the build-up where you could debrief rests. And, like, I remember being an F1 and we did three arrests in one, in like, before 11 o'clock in the morning yeah. on one Sunday. And the next in the med register was like, I'm going to order Domino's and we're going to yeah. go and sit in the handover room and eat this Domino's and talk about what the fuck just happened. Because it was horrendous. Yeah. Like, literally, as we were, you know, calling right, the last yeah. one, the bleeps went off again and, how, and, like, one person stayed to certify and the whole team went. And, like, like that's kind of the reality of the job at that stage but there was always some downtime to be like that was terrible let's have a chat 
Well, the modern day medicine is not about the and, downtime anymore, and, is it? Yeah, and I guess as well, like, you know, there's been loads of studies into sort of PTSD and medics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this part of your... Uh, some research in. Is this part um, of your um, MFE and trauma sciences? No, it, it's really Dr. Gritton. No, it's very much not. Um, but it's something that, like, through my kind of experience in pre-hospital and, like, my specialist in uh, areas of interest, like, I've been to... Is your specialist interest in P-H-E-M? <laughs> my passion about femme? Yeah, I am. Um, well, is it, is, do we call it femme? Femme, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was a P-H-M. Ugh, at least in hospital time. But it's femme, is it? It's oh, femme. Very good. <laughs> but, like, sort of amongst the, the paramedic community and then amongst the ED community, there's been some studies about how people deal with stressful situations and, like, the overwhelming evidence is that kind of debriefs work to a degree but actually what really works is going to the pub after yeah and or like have a quick drink or yeah. chatting in the coffee <laughs> yeah, room absolutely or yeah. you know catching or texting or having a phone call or whatever just yeah. when you're ready saying "Ugh, that was atrocious let's yeah. have a chat about it that was a shit time i'm just yeah someone who thought that this and like is, maybe, my life was going to be about saving people yeah not. exactly and maybe the hot or cold debrief works for identifying system errors or individual errors or thing or learning points but from the emotional side of things it's much better suited to just whenever you are emotionally ready to catch up but, but do you not think medical schools need to prepare medical students f1 to the reality which is you're not you don't save lives. You are prolonging the inevitable. To a certain extent, you have to, yeah. you, have, you, you know, you know, LD medicine is about making sure people have the best quality of life they can possibly have. So without, you know, making sure that, you know, comprehensive geriatric assessment is about making sure that people have the, the most amazing quality of life. Sorry, what is that? We're being interrupted by the helicopter. It's an air ambulance. I fucking love helicopters. <laughs> I'm passionate about it. Get to London with nitrile Betty. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think medicine as medicine now is not about necessarily saving lives. I mean, how many lives have you saved in a year? I find this a really interesting question. From your direct intervention. Yeah, and you know what? This is a question I ask myself a lot because I think that, you know, like, it's like tangent, but from, the, you know, the whole, like, I am perennially single. While we, while we have met the lovely Liam and, and Mehl's sorted from that point of view, some of us are alone and single. And so on dating apps, I kind of end up with these people who are like, oh my God, you're a doctor, you save lives. And I'm like, I don't feel like I save lives. And they're like, no, but you do. And I'm like... Yeah, you uh, did the sepsis six for a bit. Yeah, well, exactly. And I'm like, what is saving a life? And and there's, it's really rare that like one individual... That intervention that you did at yeah. a specific time. Like, you know, okay, if you decompress that pneumothorax or you do that thoracotomy... You thrombolize them. There yeah, there. that kind of you thing. You cardiovert them. That is the thing that saved their but life. But it, it's... Time. It's incredibly rare that that happens. And actually, the reality of medicine is that you are a cog in a machine that together works to try and, as you say, either save a life or prolong a death. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, prolong some quality of life for a patient. And I guess, like, <sighs> do med schools properly gear people up for the reality of the job. I don't know. I certainly feel from my experience, if you spend enough time on the ward, yeah. you gauge that 
you know, it's not, you don't spend your whole ward round, card divert this one, do chest impressions on that one, open that one's chest, etc. It's small in interventions. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you as whatever team makes this intervention, then you refer to this yeah. specialist team who made that intervention, then you refer to this community team who made that intervention when they go home, and altogether you hopefully make a net improvement. Yeah. But the reality is, is that our interventions don't make that much difference. It might make a difference for prolonging the time when someone comes into hospital. Like, you know, when you see someone and they're sick in A&E and you give them the initial treatment and then they come to the ward, it turns out that initial treatment worked for that initial time mm -hmm. and then actually it's not going to work in the long term. Mm. Like, there's so much... I don't know, I, I just feel like there's got to be some training to kind of help us understand that medicine is not about saving lives, it's about... I don't know. I, I don't know why I mean. Actually. I guess I wonder. Like, do I'm we, confused by what. Why, do what I'm we saying, need to re? <laughs> do we need to? I think it's an interesting discussion there. Like, do we need to reframe the medical training model to rather than be like, you know, for instance, the way I did it, where like I hit third year, which was the Bart's um, clinical year. Do you know, I did surgery and gastro, and then followed by that, I did endocrine and renal and breast and sort of and, uh, hormonal type things. And then I did cardio and resp. Is it useful to divide it up by body systems? Or actually, should we go primary care, emergency department, yeah. acute medicine, inpatient specialties? And actually, you sort of follow a patient journey. Segway. Um, uh, Dr. Selvraja, I don't know his first name. Um, one of our GP colleagues. One of our GP London. colleagues did do this kind of open invitation about kind of having people in GP mm. and making people see what GP is like and stuff. And thank you, Liam. Liam has appeared on the podcast. Liam, say hi. Liam, say hello. <laughs> say hello. Hello. There we go. <laughs> Cheers. I did ask him to bring us some water. Bless. Because it would be uh, different to Prosecco. And in fact. We do, we do need some water. <laughs> occasionally. No, not Salvaraja. So, in his GP thing. He, do you remember he he said, you know, our open invitation to see what we do in primary care? I think I saw it a bit. I didn't engage with it massively. Well, that's really rude. Well, as a celebrity like behavior. As a celebrity, um, Russell. I couldn't possibly engage How with dare the you? unwashed masses of Med Twitter when I have, you know, some <laughs> influences to, to get involved with. <laughs> Obviously, I realise I've mentioned this quite a lot. You may remember that this one time, this gastro reg kind of tweeted that um, certain uh, usual suspects, in, in inverted commas, um, on, on Med Twitter are engaging in celebrity-like behaviours because they're desperate for likes. Yeah, John. And I was one of the like the named people in there. And bless him, like John has, through repeated means, um, attempted to get his apology across, and that's very kind of him. But of course, he's a good egg. He is a good egg. He sounds like he's a nice guy. And no, no, he, he is a good egg. And um, however, I, I will remain milking this for everything as well because <laughs> I fucking love the joke about me. Well, actually, this is a good segue, which is talking mm. about like cancellations on Twitter. How how does one, you know, John tweeted this thing about the medical students having the kind of the the bingo thingy and being like, oh, well, it, it, is that the right thing to do? And, you know, you, know, you need get to... Get alive, basically. Basically get alive, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, a lot of people know John really, really well. He's a really, really good guy. Mm. And he's a very good doctor. 
and he's a, actually an astonishingly good team leader as well because mm. I've been part of his team. I've been part of, his wife was my reg when I was in SHO and and how how do we um how do you want? <laughs> I don't know. Oh God, what, where were we going with this? You were talking about cancellations on Twitter. Oh yeah. I don't know what that, I don't know really where I was going with it to be honest. So I suppose you the question is like how do we deal with Twitter cancelling people? And like what does it mean to be cancelled on Twitter? Because it seems to happen all the time right now. Mm. And I suppose we can't need to rethink what like people seem to throw the word cancellation onto just being called out for a slightly iffy opinion. You should be cancelled. I mean I should be. The fact You're is, terrible. The fact it's not happened after so many yeah, years. You're wearing I mean, a terrible shirt right now. I mean they I mean, you texted me to say this is a nice shirt. It's a nice shirt. It's a moo shirt. It's a really nice shirt. It's, it's a nice shirt. So, for, for context, it's the one I tweeted recently when I said I was going out, and this is literally the same outfit because I have one good outfit. And I have to, I have to, I have to admit, I have, I'm touching your head. I'm touching your hair quite it. a lot. Um, very nice hair. Thank you. There's so much of it. <laughs> but, like, people, you know, one of my things I've, rec- I've noticed recently on Twitter is, like, someone will tweet something and someone else will say... I disagree with that, and then the ne- the first person is like, "Oh, I've been cancelled," and it's like you've you've not been cancelled. You've just had your thing called out or disagreed with, and like it's normal to disagree, right? Like it's it's okay to disagree. You don't have to declare it a cancellation, in quote unquote. Like as cancel- much as I love Med Twitter, we are very good at making sure that when people don't maybe agree with our subscribe to our way of thinking, which mm. is. We love everyone and everything and everything's perfect and patients are perfect and everything and families are perfect. When when we don't maybe subscribe to that, people get quite upset. It's tough though, because I feel like there is a good amount of back and forth discussion on their Twitter. That's just a celebrity thing to say. I know, right? You are a bit of a celebrity. I'm a politician. I'm a med Twitter politician. You are a bit of a celebrity though, aren't you? No. So... Okay, this is an un- unplanned segue. Okay, it's so an un- unplanned segue. So, you know when I first met you? Yeah. Obviously, I was like, oh, celebrity. Fat, you know. fat twat in the shit show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that. But, um, <laughs> He's not what I expected. But, you know, there is something to be said about like what, what I met you. I was a bit nervous, actually, the first time I met you. I was That's like, so cute, I didn't realise. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I want him to like me because he's... Jostle from Twitter. Okay. Because you you know, you're well really well known and you know, I'm a bit nervous about you liking me and thinking I'm cool and all that kind of stuff. And Okay, I like him, but I don't think he's cool. I think we should just I am cool. He's mm. I love that I, I, I said that towards the microphone. Yeah, he did. As if as if there are people there. It's just support it's, me. It's just Imran cutting this out. this out immediately. Yeah. But it's weird, isn't it? Like you know, as as a as a med Twitter celebrity, people are looking at you as a as a beacon, almost of yeah. medicine. It's and positive and, and positive views of how you should think of stuff. It's interesting because it's not something that I realise this is very self-serving. Apologies, you can all turn off at this stage. No, don't turn off. I never set out to have however many followers and however many people 21,000 okay but like I, I never I never set out to have like a Twitter following and like a sway within the community actually that's one of the first thing I, I, I remember asking thinking you know as someone who is very influential on 
on Twitter. She's an influencer. Shinfluencer. How do you deal with that? Did you know that you were going to do that? Is that is that something you were what, aiming to so do? Exactly. So kind of my my story. And you're long. Oh my god. But like my <laughs> story is that like I, I made Twitter when I was I made my Twitter account when I was in my second year of my first degree, which wasn't medicine. What was your first degree? Biomedicine. <laughs> oh, you're one of those. Aren't you? You'd have thought it would count, but like it, it's very different. <laughs> I don't to med school being like, I can tell you exactly which amino acid gets exchanged. Oh in, my God. In sickle cell. But You've heard it now first from us. Russell is a post grad. <gasps> he's old, but he's not because he's five years younger than Mel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so old, aren't I? You're quite ancient. But do I look young? Sure. Tell the internet I look young. He looks so young. The story I was telling was, <laughs> you know, like I, I made Twitter and like I kind of, there was a tweet recently actually that was like the one, two, three, four, five, six steps of Twitter. And it was like, you make your Twitter, you don't understand, you ignore it, you mm. come back, you fall into a crowd, yeah. you're obsessed. And that's literally what happened to me. Um, and it's kind of around like, so I was part of like a society at med school and I was their social media, quote unquote, person who, and I, I handled their social media account and I like kind of developed this. Uh, at St. Bartholomew's St. Bartholomew's Clinical Centre of And the Royal London um, St. Bartholomew's <laughs> School of Communication Studies and also some anatomy. But I I handled that account and then I kind of extrapolated the skills I learned from that into my own account and then through kind of F1 and F2 I kind of because I grew up as a fat homosexual nerd I have the personality that's based on self-deprecation and humour and I guess I made jokes and then eventually kind of I got to where I am now. And I never really expected it. I can't say, despite maybe some accusations that were levelled at me recently by a certain gastroenterologist, <gasps> that I deliberately sought celebrity, quote-unquote. But, but we love you, John. But it's a, we, um, but it's, it's a weird situation to be in because, you know, like recently on one of my multi-source feedbacks, one of my consultants wrote, you know, Russell is perfectly adequate at emergency medicine, hasn't technically killed anyone and also should recognize the influence he has on social media and how that reflects on his department and his colleagues and oh like God, they yeah and like it's kind of it's interesting Rude. because well no i think it's fair because i kind of like i don't necessarily you know i see my, my twitter account as me and i sort of forget that the me is attached to a department mm. that people can easily recognize yeah. and then a hospital and a trust and a, an area that people can easily recognize I met like sort of med Twitter, quote unquote, again, quote unquote, celebrity. I hate that word. Is but you're a bit, aren't you? Like you, you get messages from people saying, "Please retweet this." And, yeah, no, like, like I do. Like people, people will send me links to their various things. You know, dating apps. People will allude to the fact they've seen me on Twitter, even as they say hello. And it, it's odd, and there's no training for it, and yeah. it's kind of a fucking weird situation to be in. When yeah. you're like, oh, I didn't. Mm. I'm just being me, yeah. and people have, for whatever reason... And, and do you think this. when you're on Twitter, you are being you? I think so. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, you know, you've now met me in real life. And, I and he is terrible. <laughs> I'm terribly awkward. Don't make any jokes. Come with a little pad of things I've written that I don't... But, like, I, you know, I think I am just a general reflection of me. Like, I just will comment on things that I've done or things that have happened to me or So make why a do joke. you think you've become so successful? Oh my god, it's becoming like an interview. This, I know. If I can, interview, yeah. An Oprah interview. Oh, I haven't won a car. Fuck. <laughs> no, but genuinely, why, why do you think people relate to you to the point where you're going to get 22,000 followers? 21. 21, sorry, <laughs> sorry. 21. Um, 
I, I generally don't know. I think like I. Well, should I should I answer for you? Go for it. I, I think it's just very relatable, and you say a lot of funny stuff, and sure. people like the the comments that you make are always hilarious and sometimes they, incredibly rude a but bit they're rude, funny at the same time a bit rude but also i feel like you're kind of relatively well kind of you're grounding you've got your grounding in terms of who you are as a person and i hope so and you know i've always respected that and you. you know even though we've had our flirtatious moments on twitter like, i always think we're currently that... completely naked <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i laugh but, uh... <laughs> it's true <laughs> but we're not naked right now um, <laughs> it was terribly awkward when my, my whole boyfriend came home. <laughs> we're like, oh, this is a thing for the podcast. It's fine. Yeah, Russell tidied me up to make sure Liam was welcome to me. But I always, I've always felt like you are very, like if you retweeted or you locked something, it's because it's who you are as a person. Hmm. That's what being a, a Twitter person is, I guess. A Twitter celebrity, I guess. <laughs> anyway, what is our next segue? Well, I don't know. I mean, we're up. An hour and twenty something rather now, um, which is more than we intended. Is it? Yeah. Um, I suppose if we can do this quick one is um, someone tweeted any medic who introduced themselves as medics at work as doctor slash Mister Surname is most likely a bad egg. Oh, that's six hundred and fifty likes. Do you Paul? identify yourself Hi. as Doctor Parekh? No. Is that because I've mispronounced your like, surname? I'm just some random person who's that- holding the bleep. I am no one. So, like, one of the things we see in A&E quite a lot is the... I imagine post- a lot of SHA's been like, oh, hi, Mr. Mr. Well, yeah, so the post MRCS F2 or CT1 who open uh, answer the phone as Mr. or Miss so-and-so. But I guess, is that wrong? Like, you know, if you've worked hard to achieve your your um, so, degree, so your I'm, I'm, postgraduate I'm Mehal, the Medridge. Yeah. I am... Yeah, what do you want, the Medridge? Fair. I am... Oh hey, it's the Medridge. Oh hey, it's Mel. Oh, oh hey, it's... I'm in a car arrest. Go away. Phone I, down. Yeah, I'm. Please leave me alone. I, I'll call you back in ten minutes. The Medridge. Yeah. I am just. I'm just Mel. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't need to tell you that I'm Mister or Sir or or this or that. The difficulty is, is when when people call me, and say they want to refer. And they refer to themselves as, and you know, I had someone the other day who was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, um, my name's this, and I'm one of the um, CT2s in emergency medicine." And I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, that's great. Like, you know, you've wasted literally ten seconds of your life telling me that. Like, I don't care who you are. Just tell me what you need me to do, and I'll just do it." But then I guess, like, is there a difference? Because coming from a specialty that primarily refers sort of against maybe you who primarily takes referrals is there a difference in the way you approach the f2 in august to no. refers versus the, the st7 no i don't care it's Fair the enough. same it's the same it's the same you, you know the reality is f2 is going to have discussed with the merge they're going to have discussed with the, with the consultant and if they think the person needs to be admitted that's fine it's fine and all i want to know from that person is the triage information as to when they need to be seen. So a pH of 6.9 is going to be seen more than someone who's had a fall and their pH is 7.35. That's all I care about. And if you think they need to be admitted, that is the way that medicine works. And I'm not going to... Emergency medicine is under too much pressure for me to be like, no. No, that's nice. No, I I, I refuse. Unless you tell me what the CRP and the 
and the and what ALT breed, is, and what breed of dog they have and yeah. what colour their hair was in 1983. I don't care about that. Yeah. You're going to tell me the information that is going to tell me that they need to be in a hospital so you can go and concentrate on other stuff. But no, that's that's, that's like, from like, the ED side of things. That's really but that is that has taken five years. Yeah, no, not even five years. I've been a registrar for seven years. It's taken me like three or four years mm-hmm. to get to a point where it doesn't matter. You know, if this person could go home or not, based on a single blood test, we will figure it out. What I need to do is make sure that there is flow within the department mm-hmm. and people. Annie feel like I'm supporting them and mm-hmm. I feel like Annie is supporting me. And presumably whatever title they introduce themselves with. Doesn't matter. I guess the Who difference cares? comes like, you know, we open this this podcast with sort of chats around the way that women are treated in medicine. Um I've got a reverse segue. I know. I we just turn this full cycle as our last little segment. But, you know, we've all been there either as as witnesses most likely on the male side and as, as um, involved parties, most likely on the female side, where, you know, a patient has assumed that the female member of staff is a nurse or an HCA or whatever, yeah. and they've had to, and, you know, like... Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting Many of the times happened to me. You um, know, and I, I've redirected them and be like, why are you talking to me? You need to talk to this person, yeah. I'm not the and boss. Like, and I've noticed it recently, so I've, I've recently started an anaesthetics job as part of my emergency medicine training, and, like, a huge amount of our consultants are female, which is fantastic. And is, you know, kind of where the, the consultant body should be to mm. a degree. Um... You know, I don't think we're there completely in medicine, but we're getting there. But we, you know, I, I turn up and pre-assess the patients where I sort of do pre-assess. my where I sort of do my little bit as the as the casualty officer who has a go at anaesthetics and tries. Alan's going to be upset if you are not um, referring to yourself as a casualty officer. I am the casualty officer, but you know, I turn up and I see the patient beforehand, and I I go through this all the airway assessment and the past history, and then I'll present to my my boss who comes and sees them as well to make her assessment. And often the patient will make eye contact with me when they answer the questions, and uh, like I've and a few, I've noticed a few of my consultants will introduce themselves as Doctor So and So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like you know I I, I guess the spirit of this tweet was to kind of was saying that all people that make that call themselves doctor or mister are bad eggs and i'm not sure that's necessarily true like mm. you know don't get me wrong we've all come across the slightly egotistical surgical sho who called themselves well, you mister should have seen my uh, you should have seen my uh, email a couple of years ago i i looked at one of my email threads when i got paces for the first time and i had mrcp and it was, oh. like, it was like mrcp mbbs pg pg dib Oh, MSE, all this bullshit, FHEA. More letters after your name than in your name. And I used to sign myself off in, in my emails to be like, you know, that's who I am as a person. You're the worst person. And that was a chat. No, um, but you're right. And but like, you know, you might be a knob like Mehul, or I am a knob. Yes. <laughs> First hand knowledge. Here. A massive knob. Mm. It's a massive knob. Oh, it's, it's, it's not. It's clear. not. It's not It's not clear. <laughs> but. <laughs> We, we gave it up right at the end. I'm so proud of us. Um, Yay, gay. But, you know, we, I think maybe this tweet is looking at, at from the point of view of a privileged, mostly male person. Who, He's white as well. Obviously. Who is using... White Russell. That's me. That's what they call me on the streets. Um, who's using their title as a leverage, for instance, 
or maybe even out of an area of like kind of worry about their own position they got us to use the word doctor because they don't feel as an f2 or an sct whenever they can make that referral but then we've got to look at our less privileged colleagues who use their titles as a way to defend themselves against some... less privileged that's rude okay our colleagues yeah who... we're in the middle of a med twitter fight right now Okay, we're gonna have like a handbags at dawn situation. <laughs> so no, I'll slap you with my man with my uh, man bag. With my man bag, it's, it's, I can see it. <laughs> with my uh, briefcase. He has got a briefcase. <laughs> it's full it's of nice soap. briefcase though, isn't it? It's, it's all it's right. Nice, um, but we've you know we've got our colleagues who use their doctor and their Mister slash Miss slash Ms titles uh, to probably defend themselves against some backlash because they're expecting to be not appreciated for the role they are. I'm so. So when I first joined MedTwitter, when I first joined MedTwitter, I was like, "Oh, they, it's so weird that there are some female colleagues who are calling themselves doctor. Why would they not?" And that was me being so naive. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that it's true. Like, actually, it's, it's reasonable. Women have to call themselves doctor more yeah. than men do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that actually, to be fair, that's what they should be referring themselves to because they are surrounded by morons who will think that they are not doctors because people in this day and age think that women can't be doctors. And yeah. if this is what we need to get out into society to say, actually, no, I'm I'm a woman and I'm your consultant, I'm your consultant physician, mm -hmm. and not look at me with my tasseled loafers and my granddad collar at work. Oh my God, I look so... And your briefcase. And my briefcase at work, I know. Oh my God. Honestly, when people see me, how do they think I'm a doctor? I do not know. Yeah, if I, and you know, when I when I was an F1, I spent a lot of time saying to people, why are you talking to me? Mm. That's the consultant there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if that's the allyship that people need. Yeah. To make sure that the next generation of people are. And maybe we don't need to be calling out people using their Doctor or Mr. titles. Well, no, not Mr. Miss or Ms. titles. But Miss and Miss is like a terrible... Is it, like, well, what are we I mean, thinking? Sort of, that this, needs to be fucking eradicated It kind now. of smacked back to the, the podcast last week where Therusha and Imran discussed with Law about the idea of everyone going back to Doctor. And if you're a surgical specialty, you go back to Doctor. And that's a gender-neutral... It establishes your role, it establishes your qualification. You yeah. don't need to gender identify or qualification identify. Like, you know, it's only surgical specialties. We need to, but we need to get rid of Miss and Mrs. and Miss yeah, in yeah, society. 100%. Oh, like 100%. That, that just needs to go. It's a fucking boring. Like, exactly as Law like, said it's, last it's week. Like, so boring. Marriage began as a financial contractual construct. Could I be Mrs. Griffin? I mean, I think Liam would be quite upset at that. I do. He wouldn't him. bring us any more glasses of yeah. water if that happened. Liam has been very supportive during this entire thing, actually. You know what? When we both hit 40, which is quite soon for you and quite far away for me, if we're both single, I will let you be Mr. Gretton. Uh, uh, segue into the podcast. Um, uh, uh, Russell, what's happening with your love life? Chill. <laughs> <laughs> very little. Why? Because I'm famously alone and single. That's not a thing. It do you, is. Do you remember you tweeting about Probably. that person, the the comedian, being like the reason why we do the whole detriment self yes. thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Brand and um, yeah, uh, Georgia Pritchard. We self detriment each other, or or who we are as each people, other because yeah. we don't know 
who we asked people. Oh God, is that? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's like we've approached the point and then we fucking go off to it. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. The point was that so this was a thing that I retweeted and I've recently listened to um, the majority uh, of the book. Uh, Twitter people, uh, Russell is dragging his hands through his hair right now. <laughs> I am. He's like, ah. Oh, <laughs> stop uh, doing it for he's me. He's like, oh my God, my hair. Okay, it's not a hair. herbal essence stuff, but let's stop that. No, I retweeted <laughs> a thing recently that was based on a chapter in Georgia Pritchett's book, which is My Mess is a Bit of a Life. And it's about a chapter about Joe Brown, the comedian. Yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I recently listened to the majority of the book on a recent run. It's a fantastic book. Would fully recommend. Um, thanks to Molly Goodfellow, who uh, suggested that to me. Ooh, Molly Goodfellow. She's got 32,000 followers. I think she's probably got more than that. Yeah, she's got more than that. She's blue ticked and everything. She's a BAFTA nominee. She's very... Writer. Wow, that is very offensive of me to assume that she is okay, of so the same calibre back in your level as Russell. <laughs> but the level sharp. The Liam, he's being rude to me. Um, the the point of the tweet was that Joe Brown would always open her sets with a joke about her weight or her yes, appearance yes, because yes, other, yes, because yes. inevitably if she didn't other people would either mock her or heckle her or whatever yeah. about her weight or her appearance and then I identify with that because growing up as a maybe overweight maybe slightly nerdy maybe homosexual it's not clear um, individual <laughs> not clear not sure we're not confirmed the gay thing is is, is it's up in very the confusing yeah, we're not sure the People would make jokes, and so I found it easier to be the funny guy to make the joke about myself before I. Do you think that's part of the reason why you're successful on Twitter? Probably. That you're like and like incredibly self-deprecating. That word that Mel really. Like Claire replied really quickly, being like, "All of us who were kind of funny developed personalities at school because we didn't have like anything else to go off of," and I think it's fair. Yeah. Like, you know, I wasn't sporty, I wasn't um, pretty, and so all I had was my personality, or you yeah. you are at the mercy of everyone else, and so you've kind of got to. But do you, but do you think being self-deprecating was something that made you a more popular person on Twitter, or...? I mean, like, the whole... So, like, the joke that follows me around is co-amoxifer medics. Yeah. And that's a self-deprecation about my specialty. Yeah. Like, it started off by... I Absolutely, think yeah. The first time I made it was someone was like, oh, I'm starting EM as an F2, like, what What and should I do? I, when I joined Twitter, I, I thought that was the big joke of Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It turns out I was the big joke of Twitter, <laughs> and the big is in BMI. <laughs> no, like, that joke came from someone being like, oh, you know, I'm starting an F1 job in, or F2 job in emergency medicine, yeah. like, what should I know? And I was like, it's really easy, it's just co-mox and refer medics. And then it became a thing that yeah. now follows me fucking around the street into my grave. If you, Unless you delete Twitter. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> it's not going to happen, It's not going to happen. So I think we're probably going to sign off there unless you have anything else to add. My final thoughts. Or should we do a Jerry Springer's final thoughts? Sure. Final, is it? Is it called final thoughts? I'm quite young. I didn't watch Jerry oh. Springer. My final thoughts are... Med Twitter, you are great. I feel very supported by you all. Yeah. And actually, I, you know, Ross and I would have become friends if it wasn't for the internet. Oh, bless him. He thinks we're friends. That's cute. That's uh, awkward, isn't it? Oh, mm, yeah. I'm going to sip my champagne and... Oh, it's like <sighs> this Prosecco I bought. It's yeah, and that's uh, weird, isn't it? Mm. I'm a bit offended by this, actually. It's okay, don't oh. worry. Are we, sorry. Are we, are we not... Are we not I, like, think, I think we're friends. Are we not colleagues, at least? 
Well, that's a whole other issue is whether you can well, call the colleagues. There's a lot of no. emotional, emotional stuff going on here. No, I think um, <laughs> I, I, I agree with the sentiments that I reflect them, that, that my Twitter is... I reflect them. I reflect them. <laughs> But my Twitter is <laughs> it, it is a support of the community. It's yeah. one where you can it's share. Great, no, it's a great place. Come on. It's where it's one where I spend probably an inordinate amount of my time. Inordinate. Five syllable word. Inordinate. Yeah. All right. But do you know what? Thank you, everyone. You yeah. Feel very privileged to be part of a, a big community like this. Yeah. Agreed. And Russell, you would not be here right now in my garden. I wouldn't. If, you know, we didn't have this. So exactly. It's been, it's been really good and I um, feel very supportive. And a huge thank you to Imran and Therusha for letting us... Um, you? You know, the, the douchebags that run this thing normally. Oh, the, those. Those, those people. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Those guys. Um, I thought his name was Imran and Arusha. They're basically the same person. Yeah. Same brown people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay for you to say that. <laughs> it's not okay for me to agree. Um, no, thank you for Thurisha and Imran for allowing us to have this takeover episode. Um, I hope that everyone at home has enjoyed it. And it's been so much more interesting than their boring episodes. Oh, God, yeah. Here's to that. Yeah. Um, it's been a good episode. We... It'll be back to business as usual, I'm sure, next week. Um, um, if anyone has any comments, um, please email me at, oh. at um, no one cares at gmail.com. No, seriously, if you have like comments, feel free to let us know. Um, it's <laughs> basically, let us know if you want this to continue. It'd be so good. But we would do a good takeover again, wouldn't we? We'll just make our own podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, we could, couldn't we? Yeah, fuck yeah, I forgot about that. Like, yeah. just, well, just I don't know why we're like, d- d- bound by these two yeah. brown people. This is just the launching pad. The caramels. God. I mean, if anything, as this is me uh, colonising their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is so unacceptable. Um, no, thank you for letting us have this space. It's been fantastic to drink some uh, fizzy stuff and discuss many things. Some fizzy stuff. We've went with... three bottles in. With Mehul in his garden. Um, and we will see you on Twitter. The last episode with Law had its charity links for um, Afghan women and all the issues going on uh, oh, over in Afghanistan. Yeah. So Amazing, yeah. feel free to continue supporting that. Well, should we do a charity link as well? Who are we going to charity to? Stonewall or something? Yeah, probably. But um, in fact, Stonewall's not really particularly loved at the moment. Any gay charities, Water Aid, and as basic as it is, is my big one. I Fair send enough. them five quid a month. So um, another really important one that I support is Equality Now, which is looking at women's equality. Yeah, I send them some money each month, and of course, Black Lives Matter. Um, Weirdly enough, I kind of want to get into an animal one, like like an I want to support animal. an animal, like like a slug, like metal like for slugs. Do you, do you know I mean? like 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 a fun animal charity? I'm just gonna go straight on past that and uh, <laughs> say thank you very much for. <laughs> listening to this episode of Two Medics, One Mic and we You're love the best. you. Bye. We will see you on the other side. <laughs> One more glass drink. And you've been listening to Two Medics and One Mic with Imran Lasker and Therusha Gawana. Thank you for listening.